Well, thank y'all. I, uh, I am Aaron Reed. I am one of the ministry directors here. I uh, went and got my hair cut yesterday. I wanted to get it shaved completely uh, so I could fit in with the pastors, but my, my wife's not quite ready for that. I think she's holding out hope. I don't know. Uh, uh, this is the first time that I've given a message to, uh, to TVA, so the pastors and I thought we'd, we'd start with something simple, like tithing. <clears throat> if, uh, if this is your first time visiting TBA, please come back uh, next, next Sunday. Please come back. Give us another chance, because after today, I, I may not be speaking again. Ever. I uh, wanted to start out with just a few cartoons to try to add a little bit of uh, levity to a, a difficult subject. So I've got about three cartoons here. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good, the dollar bills <clears throat> talking to one another there. <clears throat> The, uh, the next one, and I'm going to have to, let me see if, I don't know if y'all can read that or not, but it says, well, Charles, when I baptize you, everything goes under belongs to God. He's holding that wallet up above the water. <laughs> so, and the last one is a, a little risque, I thought, but, uh, but I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, Save 10% of the year by switching to atheism. So, uh, <laughs> that was a little rough, but... Uh, <laughs> But maybe some of y'all can see the humor in that. Okay. I'd, uh, I'd like to start out by sharing my testimony concerning tithing. I did not grow up in a tithing household. My, my mother was very frugal, and my dad, he was, he was very skeptical of organized religion and, and giving to the church. Uh, now, both my mom and dad are Christians, and I know that I'll get to spend eternity in heaven with them which is an incredible blessing. But I, but I wish they would have taught me about the joy of giving as a child. My, uh, my son Chase, uh, whenever the tooth fairy would come visit him, the tooth fairy, she'd bring him $3. Uh, $1 was for giving, uh, $1 was for savings, and $1 was for spending. Okay? And that's the way we've raised Chase. And I've just got a proud, proud parent moment here. Uh, Chase uh, recently got a job. Thank you, Lord. Uh, isn't it great when your kids start working? It's awesome. It's great. It's great. I love riding around in the car and burning his gas money. Uh, I love it. It's great. But, uh, but Chase, uh, the first check, the first check he ever wrote was to TBA Church. That was the first check he ever wrote. So praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't start tithing consistently until I was 43 years old, okay? I, I stand here today, I'm, I'm 48, soon to be 49. Uh, I, I was what you would call a, a big tipper, I guess. Um, whenever a, a, a need arose, especially around the holidays, I would give some money. Uh, or uh, I'd reduce the amount I was given to the church, uh, and I would route those funds somewhere else, maybe somewhere where I had a, an emotional connection. Uh, the Lord showed me that everything I have belongs to Him. And that became very apparent in 2011 when I was laid off and I became unemployed for the first time in my life. I've always been very, very career-oriented. However, I now understand that God is my provider. I... Uh, I took a step of faith during this time and I started tithing consistently 
As a result, he rewarded me by providing a position at a higher salary, and for a period of time, I was receiving two paychecks, uh, one check from my severance check and one check from my new job. So the Lord was very faithful to me. Uh, the, the next step in my giving testimony started in the summer of 2016, the summer of last year, and uh, as Stivey mentioned it, we were in a discipleship group, and we decided to, uh, to read The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. And I'm not, a big, I'm not a big reader by any means, but I've read this book three times. And a lot of what I'm going to share with you today comes from The Blessed Life. I'd highly recommend you read this book. In February of this year, our small group decided to go through The Blessed Life study together. We did the DVD series. Um, we spoke openly and honestly about giving within our group. And as a result, I started giving more to the Lord than I ever have in my life. I mean, it changed our lives. I mean, it was an incredible experience. This was the best experience I've ever had in a small group. My most recent step in my, my giving testimony came whenever my family and I returned from our trip to Israel. And if you haven't been to Israel, I'd, I'd highly recommend it. It was incredible. Um, Whenever I, uh, whenever I got back, the Monday after I got back, uh, my supervisor and I met, and we decided that it was time for me to move on. So, uh, so I stand here today in front of you, uh, unemployed again. Um, however, the Lord continues to provide for me uh, through a severance package. I continue to trust the Lord, bring my tithes to the church, but I'm, I'm struggling I'm, I'm having a hard time. I'm uh, having a hard time being consistent whenever the Holy Spirit leads me to give offerings above the tithes. At times I have responded, but at times I've not, uh, out of fear about what, what does the future hold for me. I don't know if I'm going to have a job. I don't know when I'm going to have a job. Um, my, my lovely wife, Tina, she spoke truth uh, into my life recently. For, for giving for the wrong reasons, giving out of pride, or giving trying to manipulate God, as if we can do that. So I am struggling, um, but I know that God is in control, that his timeline is not my timeline, and that he's put a message on my heart today to share with you. I'd like to start out by talking about the parallels between tithing and the Sabbath. The first is that they both seem self-contradictory. If you don't have much money, it would seem that giving 10% of your income to God would make a bad budget situation worse. However, as we will be discussing today, trusting the Lord with your finances will lead to many, many blessings. In a similar way, people who are short on time may recoil at the idea of setting aside one day a week not to do any work. However, honoring God and honoring the Sabbath can actually make the most of your time. The second parallel is that by tithing and honoring the Sabbath, we are putting God first 
and align our hearts with His. When we give the first fruits of our income and our time, we acknowledge His Lordship in our lives and the fact that all of our material possessions and time belong to Him. That brings our hearts into alignment with His, giving us His perspective and priorities about our money and our time. In Exodus 23, verses 10 and 11, For six years you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops. But during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what is left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. This law was intended to show that God was the original proprietor and owner of the land and that the Israelites held it under him and to teach them to depend and trust on his providence as well as there might be rest for the land so that it may become more fruitful afterwards. Therefore, the sabbatical year, similar to tithing and honoring, and honoring the Sabbath, taught the importance of putting God first and depending upon God for His providence. I'd like to spend the rest of the message focusing on the motives behind giving and that there's only one, there's only one true motive that should lead us to giving abundantly. I will be referencing the Old Testament scripture concerning tithing and offerings. I understand that there is a theological debate about whether tithing is still applicable in the New Testament. Jesus states in Matthew 23, 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done, referring to the tithe, without leaving the other undone. In addition, tithing is discussed in multiple places in the Old Testament, well before the Mosaic Law, or the Law of Moses, was established. However, I believe it's more important to focus on the, the motive for giving, not theological debate. The first motive I'd like to talk about is that we feel condemned. How would you feel if I told you that last Sunday somebody stole one of the offering boxes in the back of the sanctuary? Malachi 3, 8 through 9. Will a man rob God? You have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. You have robbed me, even this whole nation. Is there really a, a difference between stealing the offering box and just not putting money in it to begin with? Now I realize this sounds harsh, although whenever we keep the tithe, we are stealing from God. 
When, when I hear this, I feel condemned to think about we're stealing from God, our Creator. I want to run and go hide like Adam and Eve hid in the garden. But God, but God doesn't want you to tithe because you, you feel condemned or you feel like you're stealing. The second motive is avoid being cursed. In Exodus 23, 19, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the storehouse of the Lord your God. And in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 through 10, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The first belongs to God. We find this principle all through the Bible. By tithing, as if we're saying, God, we're putting you first. I recognize you first, and I'm putting you first in my life. And I trust you to take care of the rest of the things in my life. The first portion is the redemptive portion. In other words, when the first portion is given to God, the rest is redeemed. The other 90% is blessed. The tithe is set apart to the Lord and for the Lord's house. But if we take it for ourselves, it becomes a curse because it's stolen. By choosing to spend the first fruits of our labor, if we go and spend it, we're acting like owners rather than stewards. Nonetheless, our motive behind tithing should not be to avoid being cursed. The third motive is testing ourselves and testing God. In Malachi 3.10, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that you will not have room enough for it. I'd like to discuss three different points in this scripture. The first is that the Lord says, bring the tithe. He doesn't say, give the tithe. Whenever whenever we tithe, we're simply returning to God what's already His. We can't give Him something that, that didn't belong to us to begin with. The second point is that the Lord says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. We're not to portion out our tithe to different charitable organizations. We're to bring the entire amount to the storehouse, which is the church. And the last point is that the Lord says, test me, test me in this. Tithing is one of the only areas in which Christians are invited to test God. How we handle our money is nothing more than a test from God. He's testing us to determine if we love Him enough and trust Him with our finances and to put Him first. 
However, our motive should not be to see if we or God passes a test. shouldn't be our motive behind giving. The fourth, the spirit of getting. In Luke 6, 38, it states, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. I've attended several sermons in which the pastor focuses on giving to God, and you'll get back even more. It's like a guaranteed investment. How do you think God feels when his people catch the spirit of getting? God is a giver. And yes, it is true that when we give, God will give back to us. But that should not be our motive for giving. The next is out of guilt. In Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The church is the bride of Christ, and we are to take care of Jesus' bride. Tina, Chase, and I, we attended approximately 15 different churches before we made TBA our home. At one of the churches we attended, whenever it was time for the offering, they brought the baskets down front, and they asked you to cheerfully bring your tithe forward. Okay, now I'm not, I'm not being critical of any church, and God does say he loves a cheerful giver, okay? But for those of y'all who know me a little bit, I'm, I'm a pretty serious kind of guy, okay? When my wife wants to be sarcastic, she calls me chuckles, okay? I'm, I take things pretty seriously. I, uh, I was a little uncomfortable because it got loud. This place, was, the walls were shaking, okay? People came up and giving their, uh, their, their, their tithes, but I said, okay, well, all right, that's okay. I, that, that's over. Uh, but then they asked you to come again and to cheerfully bring your offerings down front, and it got loud again. Now, this was the first time that we uh, attended the church, and I felt uncomfortable staying seated. Uh, and, and, and then, if, if I didn't feel bad enough already, they asked the children to come down front and bring their tithes and offerings. So then I saw all the kids coming down. I, I was like, okay, all right. Now, whenever we attended TBA, I was glad to see the offering boxes in the back of the sanctuary. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, let, let me ask you a question. Would, would you go to a nice restaurant, eat a good meal, and then skip out on a check, leave without paying? Most of you probably say, no, I wouldn't do that. I would not do that. But some Christians, they do that every week. 
go to church. They become spiritually full. They love the message. And they walk out the door without ever giving. However, God does not want you to give because you feel guilty about not taking care of his bride or the church. That's not why he wants you to give. The sixth motive is the desire for eternal rewards. Now, I, I struggle with all of these, but I really struggle with this one. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And in 1 Corinthians Chapter 3, 11 through 15. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. To suffer loss when calculating one's reward only indicates a lack of reward having been given. The picture Paul is given of one escaping through the flames is not one who manages to, to barely make it into heaven or just to escape the flames of hell. That's not what he's talking about. One's eternity in heaven is never considered in this judgment. Rather, escaping through the flames is indicative of Everything he has done his whole life, having been burned up in the test while he himself is saved. Could you imagine standing before Jesus and watching how you spent your time, your money, being burned up in front of him and receiving no rewards? But God does not want us to give in order to get rewards. That's not it. All right. If you've been kind of nodding off or if I've said something to upset you or you feel a little angry right now, uh, just now's the time to wake up, okay? Because I listed several motives, none of which should be a primary motive. If you don't agree with any of those, that's okay. Don't agree with none of them. Because now I'm going to talk about why we should give. The only true motive for abundant giving is the pure joy of imitating our wonderful Father. Jesus doesn't want or need your money. I mean, what do you, what do you think he's doing? What do you think God's ever thinking? Well, you know, if he just tied a little bit, maybe I can pay the bills this month, you know? Maybe I can, you know, I mean, I, you know, God doesn't need your money. He doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. That's what he wants. He wants your heart. Jesus, for where your treasury is, 
there your heart will be also. The only way that you will start tithing is if the Holy Spirit transforms your heart from a selfish heart into a generous heart. It takes a heart transplant. If you don't think you were born selfish, try to take some of your kids' french fries, okay? Try to take some bacon away from your husband, all right? If you don't think you were born selfish, all right? Just say, all right? You're selfish. All right. God wants to purify our hearts. We were born selfish, but we were born again generous. Giving more than any other activity a believer does works selfishness and greed out of our lives. Our tendency is we want to figure out in advance how God's going to provide for our needs. We just want to figure out what He's going to do. We feel a lot more comfortable if we knew what He was going to do. Oftentimes, the last step in your journey with the Lord is letting control of your finances, letting go of that control. We have to step out in faith. It's the only way you can do it. Step out in faith and trust the Holy Spirit. The hardest step is the first step or the first check. I challenge you. I give you a challenge here today. I challenge you. Go find someone that took that first step and who's tithing consistently and they regret it. They say, I I wish I'd have never done that. The Holy Spirit's let me down. Go find them. I want to go bring bring them to me. Okay? You're not going to find them. You're not. When we allow God to do a work in our hearts, our primary motivation behind giving is for the sheer joy of giving. Helping for pure satisfaction of helping and blessing. Because in doing so, we imitate our Heavenly Father. We should give because our Father is a giver. Think about everything He's given us. He's given us everything. He gave us His only begotten Son to die for us. He's a giver. He's given us His Word, His love, his love letter. He's given us the Holy Spirit, which is here with us today. He's given us our salvation. We'll get to spend eternity in paradise. That's what He's given us. And He's given us grace. I have a hard time understanding grace. Uh, Philip Yancey defined grace this way. There is nothing you can do to make God love you any more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. Now, I understand that, okay? If you gave everything you had to God, He'd love you still. He'd love you just the same. If you never gave a dime, He'd still love you. He loves you just the same. That's what Jesus gave us when He died on that cross. Thank you, Lord. God doesn't need you to give. Once again, He needs you to be blessed. For those that that are just getting back from from Honduras and and, and the, the mission trip, okay? Um, God didn't need them to go to Honduras. He's got that covered, okay? He needed to bless them. Ask them, for those that went on the trip, ask them if God blessed them. I'll assure you they'll say, God blessed me on that trip. 
the blessed life is an outgrowth of cheerful giving. Whenever we're obedient to spirit-led giving, the experience is pure joy. Tina and I, we've, we've eaten at several restaurants, and I've, I've forgotten most of those meals, okay? But I have not forgotten the joy of anonymously giving whenever we purchased breakfast for a, a woman one morning that had just finished her chemotherapy treatments, okay? Or a, a, a buying lunch for a couple that was celebrating their 62nd wedding anniversary. Could you imagine 62 years? That was, that was, that was great. Um, God pours blessings on givers, and he does it so that we can continue to give even more to his kingdom. Spirit-led giving is contagious. The more you give, the more you want to give. All right, now I'm going to bring it back, get a little personal here just for a minute. The truth is that if you're going to live the lifestyle of a giver, you're going to have to make the lifestyle adjustments that allow you to have something to give. God is not responsible for bills that he did not initiate. Okay? A valuable practice is to pray, and I don't, I don't do this. I, I, need to, I need to do this. A valuable practice is to pray about every significant financial purchase and wait overnight before you commit. We are to use our finances that the Lord's blessed us with to invest in which is eternal, and that's people. People are eternal. Okay. How many introverts do we have in the room right now? Okay, come on. I know you don't raise your hand. How many people who feel like they're introverted? A little bit more introverts. All right. Hey, thank you. We, we, we don't stand alone. Okay. There are introverts in this room. Okay. Uh, and we may not feel comfortable uh, sharing our testimony or being an evangelist. That's, that's, not, a, that's not me. I'm not, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that. But, but I'll say this. Our... Our welcoming committee in heaven may not be individuals that we've evangelized to. However, we will be greeted by people in heaven who are there because we were loyal in our spirit-led giving. They're, they're, they're going to be there. They're going to say, thank you. for I'm here because you gave. Now, that's a happy thought for, for me. That's, that's awesome. God turns money into souls. Satan hates spirit-led giving. He despises it because it does two things simultaneously. It diminishes his kingdom, and it makes us more like our heavenly Father. We must respond instantly when we hear God's voice concerning giving. This is spirit-led giving, and it requires instant obedience. If we wait, which, which I often do, Satan is giving time to come up with all kinds of good reasons why we shouldn't do what God has told us to do. The longer you wait, the more time there is for your mind and your emotions to cloud the message. I refer to this as paralysis through analysis. Okay? We have good intentions. We, we mean to give. We sit there and think about it long enough and we do nothing. Our society today is looking for a snapshot. They're looking for an easy follow formula. Just give me something quick. So I'm going to, this is my attempt at, at a formula for, for giving. 
Gratitude leads to generosity. Okay? Once again, we should be grateful. Jesus has done everything for us. Okay? And that should cause us to want to give. That's the only reason we should give. Because we're grateful and we love him. Greater generosity builds more trust. The more you give, the more you trust God. It's all his. None of it is ours. And complete trust generates blessings. We are God's children. He wants to bless you. That's why he wants you to give. Because he wants to bless you. And the great news is, no matter how much you give, you cannot outgive God. Robert Morris, in The Blessed Life, said, Giving when the Lord leads, helping people know the love and goodness of God, keeping the focus on God rather than on things, being generous, and allowing God to work in our hearts. It's about the heart transplant are the keys to making our journey on earth an adventure of joy and purpose. And Winston Churchill, I never heard this before, Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. I thought that was an awesome quote. All right, if the, uh, if the band could come on up, I've got a, uh, I've got a video, so... Please, please uh, watch, watch this video. If you'll, uh, if you'll bow your heads, please. We just uh, bow your heads for prayer. God, we love you. We love you so, so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. You've given it all. You gave it all for us, and we love you. Please, Holy Spirit, and it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit, transform our hearts into giving hearts. 
We can't do it on our own. We cannot rely upon the flesh. We cannot figure out what you're going to do in advance. We're going to give because the Holy Spirit prompts us to give. We're going to give instantly, dear Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for giving it all, dear Lord. We love you. We want to make you proud, dear Lord. We want to be more like our Heavenly Father. We pray all this in your precious and holy name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.